TTCS podcast number 19, February 25th, 2009. Talking with This is Windows 7 is going to be the successor to Windows Vista, which is in some ways kind of surprising given how, you know, Vista only came out like what, less than a year and a half? No? And Microsoft has been notorious for their slow turnover times for OSs. Mm, yes. I mean, especially when you think about the time between XP and, uh, and Vista. Vista. I mean, XP came out in 2000, late 2000 or so. And, uh, 06? How many other times in Microsoft's life have people in droves specifically requested downgrades when they purchased computers well, with a new operating system? And that's the other thing, and what we must also remember is that uh, Windows 7 is not a new operating system. That's right. It is Vista that works, or Vista Round 2, or however else Vista you want to put sequel? it. Vista the sequel, you know, the part two of the three-act series that is actually the best. Mm. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Microsoft fan, and even I have to admit that, you know, Windows 7, it, it installs in a virtual machine in about 20 minutes on, on my um, uh, Mac laptop, and um, it, it performs reasonably well, but, you know, I mean, uh, I can't say that I'm wowed about it. I've been using OS X for eight years now, and it's, it's you know, okay, yes, it, for someone who's probably never used OS X, they would look at this and kind of go, yeah, this is nice. And I mean, it is not a bad piece of work from what I've seen. But then again, I'm not going to, I would not have tested it as much as you have. Right. Um, so, first time I start off by stating my huge bias, which is that I did not ever use Vista. So for me, the jump has been from XP. Well, to Windows 7 with Ubuntu actually in the middle. So I have had a chance to see the desktop effects that have been proliferated on OS X in a, in a different thing. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, 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 it's not quite the same, but it's similar enough that you get the idea. Precisely, through compics, etc. Um, my first thoughts, well, it's lovely. I mean, moving from XP to it was painless, which is not a word that... Now, when you say moving to XP, how did you do it? Did you, oh, oh, sorry. Did you, so did you overwrite your... First, no. first thing, there's a migration we never, ever, ever <laughs> overwrite your old operating system <laughs> to run a beta. We're not advising that, people. <laughs> it's stable, it's lovely, but it's not finished. Um, so to explain, on my system, I partitioned my drive once when I got Ubuntu, so I have them running two operating systems actually installed on two different partitions and then I did the same thing for Windows 7. I gave it about 30 gigs of space. What did you use to actually do the partitioning? The partitioning, interestingly enough, I instead of using, oh, first I must state, when I got into Windows 7, I realized you could have used Windows 7 to do the partitioning. 
it actually comes with a partition editor, oh, nice. which is, you know, pretty mm -hmm. handy. But I use Treeparted, you know, I got Treeparted live CD. I could have used one of the Ubuntu CDs and run it live mm -hmm. to use Treeparted, but I got Treeparted as a solo thing, built it on a CD, plugged it in, partition, dropped Windows 7. And I must say the install process was, it was painless. And, and that's nice. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, there's been studies done on the net to say that they actually, it actually takes more clicks to install it than, say, Ubuntu or something. But for Windows, this is pretty good. Yes, I mean, compared to XP, I mean, yeah. Yeah, the, well, the Vista process as well as uh, Windows 7. And I have to say, I have not tried Windows 7 as right. such. I just only been reading about it, but I, and in fact, I have the ISOs, but I just don't, haven't had the time. Right. So I'm just I'm, I'm speaking more from the Vista experience, mm -hmm. from running Vista release candidate beta two, and, and doing the meeting all in 2007. Yeah, time flies. And yeah, the, the setup sequence is much more simplified than XP because you know XP you had yeah that next next agree to this next. And what is was I mean. This is something that blew me away. First, the first time when I installed Ubuntu, when you install Ubuntu, Ubuntu works. It knows where your monitor is, it knows where you know your keyboard, anything you have plugged in, it knows. Vista did the same thing. Forgive me, not Vista, Windows 7. 7. Windows 7 did the same thing when you put it on, it worked. Yeah. Does that mean that XP did not? Well, I believe that if you uh, first install of XP, you needed to go hook up to Microsoft and download drivers. Or did the, or did the motherboard manufacturer's website. Right. Or, you know, if, if they package the CD with the motherboard of drivers or something. Wait, so in order, so in order to have configured a, a brand new install of XP... You would need a driver CD. Or, or another computer that was already configured to get on the internet so you could download drivers. Right. So you couldn't, let's say, do a base install of XP and then using that base install, go on the net, get well, the that you need. I think you can go... It depends. Well, it depends. I mean, so XP, XP, well, this is XP, and Windows Vista, and Windows, and Windows 7, I'm sure. They all have a certain set of drivers. Right. So, obviously, but, so if you have a, how, I would say, relatively older uh, network uh, hardware, chances are it will be recognized. Um, however, newer hardware, I would say, would... Uh, but not to add to that, I mean, XP's driver base is really fast. It's one of the reasons why XP is, you know, still used right now. Mm -hmm. Vista had a lot of problems initially with finding drivers for all the equipment. And okay. all of the work that has been put into getting those drivers, you know, up and ready for Vista has now simply transferred to Windows 7. So, you know, it, it was really nice. I mean, I did not have to manually set up an internet connection. Like, you know, I put it in and it said, oh, you have internet. That's good to know. And I, I could have opened Internet Explorer 8, the beta, which is what came with the beta, immediately. And go on the net, you know, as soon as my desktop came up. That's fantastic, you know. Um, there's a feature in OS X that has always interested me. It was the expose feature. Right. You move your cursor up to the top, let's say right hand corner of the screen, and you get a view of your desktop because all of the windows slide up, slide out to the extremities. Microsoft has their version of that in terms of the show desktop button has now evolved into a little, I don't know, a little patch 
you can call it at the bottom right hand corner of your taskbar at the bottom mm -hmm. and you slide your mouse over it and all of the windows they don't dart off they simply turn transparent okay so you can see your desktop and move it back and every nothing moves it just transfers. it's a very nice counter you know they didn't go and say let's put an expose and blatantly thief you know mm -hmm. they, they said let's let's see how the same effect could be achieved differently which you know they're trying to steal people away from OSS. <laughs> but, but what happens what if, if you want to get a, let's say an icon that is behind a translucent window at that stage well that's the thing then instead of hovering you press the show desktop it's you can hover over it and press it it still works as a button and it, at that time it'll simply minimize all of the windows Okay, so it's like Windows D. Yeah. Um, and that brings me back to the taskbar. The you know, most noticeable difference when you look at the desktop is the taskbar. If you open a window, the minimize icons, which are usually a, horizon, a horizontal bar that comes down on your taskbar, is gone. You open a window and the icon of the program you're opening is has all of the windows you've opened in it and to see them there's the preview feature that made its debut well really in you know open source days but mm -hmm. made its windows debut in vista it's but vista. vista in vista vista had preview okay. well at least has it now yeah i don't know if it had it at all it had a it had a preview button yeah so that oh, when you hovered sorry. over the icon when you hovered over the icon you could a, see it yeah you would see it mm -hmm. but now it's better because when, so say you open Firefox and for some reason you don't like tabs, you open two windows of Firefox. Mm -hmm. Instead of in XP, say, where you would see the Firefox icon with Firefox and two written exits stating you had two windows open, now when you, you just see the Firefox icon, when you hover over it, you see two previews of each of your windows. Now where it gets, you know, where the thought was put in was that if you hover your mouse over any one of the previews, that window, say you had both of them um, you know, mm -hmm. on screen at the yeah. time, the one that you're hovering over on stays as it is, but all of the other windows on the screen go transparent. So you can, so let's say you have to find a specific window at any given point in time, hovering over the preview brings it, doesn't necessarily bring it to the fore, but it allows you to see where it is. I see. And by clicking on it, you can bring it to the fore. And, you know, that's, it's useful. It's, I mean, it's not spaces. A lot of people manage their, their various windows by having certain spaces per type of application. For example, there was a program called Virtual Dimension that allowed you to have spaces on windows. And I had a space for all my media. You want to explain what spaces? Oh, sorry. Spaces are virtual desktops. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. they allow you to have multiple desktops appear to be running on one system. Thank you. For those of us, for those of you, sorry, who are listening, that was... Dinner being served. Sound of dinner being served. <laughs> sound yes. of dinner being served. Except for me. Honey. Except for them and That's okay. Here's the coming just now. Precisely. <laughs> And essentially what that allowed you to do was say you had a program like Firefox opened in one space 
if you switch to the other space, you wouldn't see it because it would appear as if that application was open, was open in a different part of the computer. So it, it's very useful for managing for managing you know multiple windows. So if you like to have, if you're a writer and you like to have Word open, mm -hmm. and you know you're listening to music at the same time and you're on the web, instead of having all of that clutter on one desktop. You put it on different desktops and you just switch between them. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. it, it's, it's a the, con the concept came up before the, 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 the idea of multiple monitors and so multiple, forth. Right. Precisely. Um, I think it, it could be wrong, but I think it became very popular on the Lin on Linux desktops mm -hmm. with the KDE environment and the GNOME environment desktop graphical environments having a desk having that. I think that was my first real exposure. Precisely. To, um, a built -in it was mine also. Yeah. Uh, so right. and. So, so yeah, so it's very, very useful. I don't, I don't know if it, but it's going to decrease now with now that you have multiple monitors and everybody has two screens. Well, but I suppose perhaps Microsoft is banking on that because their their, their method of, of Windows management mm -hmm. has stayed, you know, very far away from the concept of spaces. They're, yeah. they're saying you are allowed to manage you should be allowed to manage all of your multiple, however many windows that you have open or working with at a time without the need to have multiple desktops, virtual or not virtual. Which, you know, I mean, that's nice. I mean, there's going to be a program that allows you to get spaces on Windows 7 eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bound to happen. Well, I do have to admit, I mean, I've had um, uh, Leopard, which is the latest uh, Apple operating system, temp, uh, OS 10.5 for long, for about a year now. And um, I do have to admit that the Spaces feature, mm. I've not really used that often. Okay. Right. Well, it requires a mindset to use it, I think. Yeah. What you've got to do, you, to, me, to, really, to, me, to make virtual desktops work, you've got to organize your desktops. Yeah. So you have like your work, work like, station, you know, like your, your work, media station. Like yeah. Yeah. So if you're doing your internet stuff on one desktop, when I say your internet stuff, like your instant messaging, your mm -hmm. browser, and then on the other side you have your yeah. office type thing, your spreadsheets. In fact, my XP setup has four virtual desktops. One is called Home, which is you know the default. I leave it; it can do anything. But I put all of my instant messaging applications and all internet-based applications set and set them to open in my Net desktop. Have all my media open in my Media desktop on all my documents, open in my document desktop, so, you know, it's it's become very useful to me. So, but what about, what about the, the performance of uh, Vista? I have to say, this, this will actually what turned me off of Windows 7, sorry. Because I have to say, from Vista, what, what prompted me not to really get into it so much was about I found that if I install an XP, uh, if I install XP on one machine, and I took that same machine and installed Vista, I could see it was noticeably very s slower. Mm. You know, and this is, I'm not here, this was, and this was at the time of Service Pack 1 even. Wow. You know, because um, I, I decided, you know, all right, I'm not going to jump in and buy Vista just so. I'm going to wait to sort it out. Right. And wait for the Service Pack, you know. And then, okay, now I, so I bought Home Premium, and I, try, you know, installed it. I, I, I tried it on two machines, in fact. One machine I couldn't get into install for whatever reason. Couldn't, can't figure it out to this day. It, it bumped out during the install. XP installed fine, but Vista does not. The second machine, 
uh, and I mean, these, and when I say the machines, I mean these machines aren't exactly slow folks of a you know, right. you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know five thousand AMD uh, Athlon uh, CPU, two gigs of RAM, uh, you know, very good, very decent video cards, and yet, you know, the second machine it installed, but um, I don't know. It, to me, it just felt it felt sluggish. Well, the thing about Windows 7, yeah, that I mean, as soon as you put it on, now I will preface this by someone by the fact that, that it is a new install, it is new, it is you know, when you first use it, you don't really have anything on it, you know, it's blank state sort of, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It is snappy, mm -hmm. it is incredibly snappy. I mean, to from start up to shut down, it's faster than XP. Right? Yeah. To open and close programs now, I mean, the open programs for me in XP right now, any browser that is, I have nearly all of them except Safari install, which is, well, Safari and Opera. So I have Firefox, Flock, Google Chrome, and God forbid, Internet Explorer 7. Can't do anything about that. Yeah. But anyway, um, in fact, when you install Service Pack 3, it made it impossible to remove Internet Explorer 7 which they didn't tell you about until after, but we'll get to that. Um, every time you click, I can click on Firefox and go to the kitchen, get them to drink and come back before it starts up. Really? It oh. takes at least, you know, it takes a good, I don't no. know, 20 seconds. Mm. Now, from click, click I should up. ask you though, I mean, the thing is, are you, do you have like lots of plugins and third-party extensions? That I do. Oh. Even though, even so, that is not something that is unique to, well, okay, I mean, like, Google Chrome starts up fantastically fast. But then again, I'm getting to understand that that's what Google Chrome was sort of built to do. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the problem with, with Firefox. It, what, a potential problem is that if you have, like, lots of extensions, mm -hmm. eventually those are the things that are going to, you know, start coming up Firefox, and, you know, Firefox takes longer to start up. To start up. Okay, well, perhaps then this is biased, but... Just like in Ubuntu, where I do have a lot of my extensions installed, Firefox starts really, really quickly in Windows 7. And sh but you see, it's not so much the starting that impresses me, although that's good. It shuts down really, really quickly. Oh, well. okay. And yeah. that, is, that is something that I really like. When you click close and you get up, you can watch a program disappear and know that it's gone. Right. And pull up, you know, Process Explorer and yeah. see it's not there. That right. is fantastic. Right. So the thing is, though, um, I could be wrong, but maybe I have to see what also really confused the Vista. I think the Vista, Vista experience, apart from the potential uh, driver issues and so on, was the different plethora of versions. Oh, you know, they ha because they had the you know, the Home Basic, the Home Premium. Oh gosh, I, you know, and I and I, and I struggle, I struggle to, to try to explain what the differences are, because it's just to me it was just a, it was an unnecessary thing from XP where you just had home and professional, and you and you do the difference. Well, actually, the what? thing about that is that that's not strictly speaking true. XP came in just as many flavors as well, all of the others, but the ones that they marketed, you know, mainly mm -hmm. were very very simple. You had two choices, which is more or less what I hope they're going to do for Windows 7. Even though Windows 7 is packaged, the beta that we're running is Windows 7 Ultimate, it says that. Mm -hmm. 
because at the end of the day, we're getting all of the features that may or may not A, end up in the final product at all, right. or, and B, probably won't end up in the final product that you get. Right. Um, well, we are running Ultimate, and there's going to be a premium, and there's going to be a business. I think, I think Microsoft is trying to. They, I mean, they, they have, they have to get a handle on it. I don't think they have like, the big home basic. Mm -hmm. um, you, yeah, they don't. They won't have the like a home basic like Vista Home Basic because the Vista Home Basic and the Vista Home Premium are two very different things. Huh? Mm -hmm. The Home Basic, Vista Home Basic, did not have the area interface at all, really and you had to pay for that. Yeah. So, um, so you had to. So if you want to try, you have to pay extra to make your computer slower. <laughs> well, I won't say that, but uh, I would just say that if you wanted the more functionality, you paid more. And uh, but I think, I think hopefully, I think Vista is. Uh, sorry, Windows Seven. Windows I, keep, 7. I keep saying that. In With, addition to which, I mean, all of the all of the versions are going to be the way we think they're going to do it is that all of these versions are going to be on one CD, and yeah. you pay for your CD code. Mm -hmm. Well, Vista does that too. Huh? You, technically, you could upgrade With from your, your mm -hmm. if you want to, from, if you want from home premium, you wanted to pay extra for Vista uh, Ultimate. Mm -hmm. You could, you know, go online, pay, pay the fee, and I think it was. I'm not sure what it does. I never, I never did the, did the actual transaction. Mm -hmm. um, other things, the, I mean, now Windows Seven is still in beta, yes. so it still has a lot of compatibility issues with programs. In fact, they've uh, they've done a lot of work, and you've gotten a good bit of updates between, say, the time I installed it, which was about what, three weeks ago, four. Yeah. To now, you know, it. it it's, in fact, room, I think the rumor is, it, is that uh, there's going to be a release candidate, mm -hmm. which is a very interesting thing. Uh, usually, uh, I could be wrong. This this Windows Seven was just labeled as a beta, right? right. Correct. Yes, it was. Okay. Well, usually they have like a beta, a beta two, then a release candidate, mm -hmm. release candidate one or two, and then now why why this is important is because the beta for Windows Seven stops working in August. Oh, yes. True. True. So one hopes that by, uh, as one writer put it. We don't believe that Microsoft is going to pe leave people Windows 7 less until they bring it out. I just, yeah, I guess you so. Know, because there, there's going to be because they want a that, release candidate. I mean, if they're running it up to them, you don't want them to have them thinking about switching. switching. Yeah, you, you don't want indecisive people to, you know, to go out so and buy your Or Ubuntu, go free, you know? So, hopefully a release candidate will be assumed. Well, I'm looking, for, looking forward to it because I mean, uh, let's see, what time is it? Running? It's kind of running about 22 minutes. Okay, we're not not too bad. Uh, one of the one of the key things that uh, that's ha hardware trends that have happened over the past year are netbooks, and these are well, I mean, well, there's a trademark claim against it, but essentially, these are like sub what are, I guess what you would call sub notebooks. They don't. The key characteristics that they don't have a CD-ROM drive. And uh, typically, the screen size is limited to 10 inches or less. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, in fact, this podcast is being recorded on a on a netbook. Um, and I have this uh, it's, it's an Asus EEEPC uh, 1000 uh, HA version. That's a version that comes with uh, XP Home, one gig of RAM, and a 160 gigabyte hard drive, and a 10-inch screen. 
Okay, and how much you paid for it? And I paid, well, at the time I paid for it, mm -hmm. I paid uh, 400, a little over 400 US for it. But um, right now, there's even a newer model, uh, the 1000HE, which has Bluetooth capability, a faster processor, and that costs 375 US on Amazon. And uh, I'm actually delighted with the, with the network. I mean, uh, you know, it does, I mean, I, XP runs wonderfully on it. I find it boots up fast, less than 30 seconds, light. Uh, all my open source applications run fine, you know, Firefox, OpenOffice. For those of you who've been following the podcast, 15, 16, and 17 were all recorded on this network. Yeah. Using actually using um, oh, a, a, a polycom a polycom um, Skype phone Skype phone and uh, Audacity. Yes, this so is part of our thing, uh, our attempt to try to simplify our podcasting uh, uh, experience. Because typically to record a podcast, it involves bringing out the mixer, headsets, and so forth. And that poly the polycom the polycom uh, uh, Skype phone really made life a lot easier. Yes. Uh, please send us comments if you, you know, hear your thoughts of the audio quality, by the way. We would like to hear it. But yeah, going, coming back to the, the netbook, I mean, it's really great. And now you have netbooks coming coming down to prices between 200 US and, uh, you know, price ranges from 200 US to 400 US. And, you know, you have, the problem is, of course, Windows is such a huge cost. I mean, if you were to buy Windows... Uh, well, Windows Vista Ultimate retail. Mm -hmm. It's probably about ooh. more than you'd pay for the netbook. You'd be running it, though. Yeah, chances are you're paying something like about two hundred US, two hundred US plus, and at least up to about. Um, well, if you're buying the full versions of Home Basic or Home Premium, yeah, I would say Home Premium is a little, just a little over hundred US. So, so what's uh, so this netbook? As I think it's a big, it's a big, and uh, I think it's uh, part of it. Even though market share de declined uh, for PC in terms of the market for PCs due to the economic downturn, uh, netbooks really was a large market uh, for, for this, um, which probably isn't making Intel or Microsoft happy. Because, well, Intel is happy in the sense that their CPU is being used, but at the same time, uh, you know, well, all chip makers want them to buy the most expensive. Uh, CPUs. Which sort of brings us to another topic a lot of people are concerned about. What will be the price of Windows 7? True. That's a very good Now, why that's of such a concern is that for people who are running Vista now, especially for people, I mean, let's say, you know, push comes to shove and mm -hmm. Windows 7 comes out this year, and you bought a Vista machine this year. The improvements of Windows 7 over Vista are such that you are going to feel cheated because essentially Windows 7 is Vista Part 2. It's like a service, it's you know, essentially a service pack. Yeah. So are you going to shell out the same amount that you paid for Vista again to get something that is simply Vista but better? Yeah. What's, what's more surprising is those persons who bought Vista Ultimate. I mean, you know, what the idea behind Vista Ultimate was that you'll get exclusive content like, um, well, the 
I can I mean the, the date what you were getting is things like animated backgrounds uh, I can't remember the other stuff but in fact those things are going to be deactivated if you upgrade do an upgrade to Windows 7 actually mm -hmm. which is kind of strange so in a way the Microsoft seems to be moving away from that model of okay we provide an ultimate version of exclusive content and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so in addition to it as, as Dave mentioned the netbooks the question is they made Windows 7 smaller, quote unquote, so that it's more compatible with netbook hardware than Vista was. Yeah. I mean, there have been people who have put Windows 7 on netbooks and had it run That's right. pretty and decently. Whereas for Vista, there was a It was a no-go. So the question is, if Microsoft is trying to capitalize, you know, to finally shell XP, finally put it in its grave, which they've been trying to do for so long, but couldn't because of how Vista sold. Are they going to try to capitalize on the network market? And if they are, they will have to bring down the price because the network market, as they've rightly pointed out, got cheaper between the time that he bought his Asus and now, and by all intents and purposes, it's getting cheaper and better as time goes by. So they can't make you pay full market price. Yeah. Because, I mean, Microsoft has basically given, I would say, almost giving away XP. Mm -hmm. So they tried to, because obviously what was happening was that a lot of these netbooks were coming with, uh, well, not Ubuntu, but some sort of Linux distro uh, to escape that um, cost of the OS. Okay. The Dell, like the Dell uh, Mini Inspirants are coming with Ubuntu. Uh, the Asus were coming with a version. I can't remember what Linux distro was coming with. So... So yes, yeah, so it's going to be very, very interesting to see what the pricing is going to be. In addition, um, what will be the upgrade cost? Because as I was saying, you know, you don't want to shell out the same amount of money. I mean, if you're moving from, like I was, XP to Windows 7, it's a new operating system. You're going to, you know, in your mind, you're going to pay full price because, you know, it's new. But for the Vista users, you know, that's going to be a different story. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I think they are going to provide an XP upgrade price for mm -hmm. XP. Mm -hmm. Um, um, but mind you, the, uh, the upgrade is that how to, like, you can't really run the install in XP. You have to do a new install. Mm -hmm. So you, you know. So, well, uh, mind you, you should be always doing backups anyway yeah, before yeah. you do the before you do the uh, install. Oh, um, and as the, some points about how Vista differs from Windows Seven or vice versa, mm -hmm. we have to, we must, we are. Uh, beholden to mention the user account control oh, aspect yes, of yes. Windows Vista. Yes, yes. I mean, I have to say, when I was doing the beta to install, every time I tried to install an application, you know, this user account control came up and said, hey, this thing is trying to install, do you want to come in? Yes. And I think, I think it, 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 the problem was it became so persistent, and I think it, it worked against the idea behind it. Is that you saw it all the time, and just, uh, you just wanted to click OK. A lot of people turned it off. Yeah. Which is, you know, really bad. That goes against why it was put there in the first place. Windows 7 has a handle on that. It's, I mean, I had the chance to really use Vista this Sunday, and I was installing some programs from a friend, and I can't, if I spend an hour there, I saw the Windows account protection 10 times, which is entirely too much, you know, to see an annoying notification. And it's like, you know, changing the date or time and all that. And I understand the reasoning, but at the same time... As I, as I said, it, it, it's like if Microsoft was giving you a nursemaid, 
to hold your hand as you learn to walk when you knew how to walk and were actually a full-grown man. You know, it, 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 it's annoying like that. But a lot of users are not like that. Granted, granted. However, I always think of, of these sort of situations like penicillin. One of the problems with the you know, broad-spectrum administration of antibiotics is immunity. You coddle people too much and they don't learn. You know, for example, I, because of my experience with XP, know generally how to differentiate between when something is messing with my system and when I'm doing something harmless. If a broad spectrum notification is going to come out anytime anything is being done and I'm just going to follow that blindly, what do I learn? What exactly is wrong with what is happening? You know, or not wrong, as the case may be, you know? So I, I agree, I mean, people, it, at the end of the day, computers are a tool, and one of its purposes is for people to learn. You coddle them too much and they're not going to. Mm, that's a hard thing, it, 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 it's a fine line that, um, I mean, I understand the concept of the user access control, um, because the problem with, with malware and so forth, having administrator access, they're able to make changes, and once, it, once you have a, a malware infestation, it's very, very hard to remove it, you know, because they've integrated itself so uh, so well into Windows. Um, so that, in fact, it's sometimes easier to just do a reinstall and try to attempt to, re to clear the infestation. Maybe the next time we talk to Kurt, we'll be asking him about uh, malware and uh, viruses for Windows 7. Well, um, I haven't been hit yet by anything bad in it, which is good. I mean, in, as soon as I put it on, it said you need an antivirus. I went, I got Avast, which is a free antivirus software on the net, uh, installed it, and I was good to go, you know? Mm -hmm. I haven't hit by anything. So, um, it's interesting. Microsoft is using the beta platform in us to get people who are interested in well, them, because not only did they put the beta of Internet Explorer 8 to try to, you know, you know, get people interested in, in it, especially since Firefox and Flock and all of the Mozilla Foundation variant and Google Chrome, you know, and Safari are getting so many people away from Internet Explorer. They also put, well, you can download, sorry, from the site, um, Windows Live Essentials, which is essentially a suite of, that's another thing, it didn't, doesn't come installed with any sort of Office program. You have well, to get that from the site. Well, well not Office per se. Well, yeah. Not Office per se, but um, like um, the photo gallery. Photo gallery, right. Those the, sort of things. The um, live writer and so on. Which, you know, it's nice. And which is the, good. I mean... Yeah. I mean, it ran, it ran open office, you know, within a virtual machine reasonably well. Mm -hmm. Oh, but no, mind you, Windows just by default doesn't necessarily come with Microsoft Office. That's usually two separate products. Precisely. Um, many OEM builders, like Dell, whatever, they'll package it. They have you to package it as an option, which you pay for. And as Mike mentioned, running it in a virtual machine, there, I have to also state that I have successfully, with a friend of mine's MacBook, installed it in Bootcamp. Okay. Windows yeah. 7. Windows 7. Well, actually, now, now, I should point out Bootcamp is not virtualization. That is, that is Mac, Mac actually running Windows. 
it's not running in the virtual mm -hmm. So it's running it natively? Yeah, it is. Well, and I was actually running it in a virtual mode. And the joke about that is that I approached him with the idea to install it in Windows 7, having fully believed that, you know, other people had, you know, done it before and, you know, paved that part before me. And no, nobody had. <laughs> After I went and I looked and, you know, listening to CNET podcast, they're like, oh, you know, we haven't tried that yet, but, you know, it should work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the joke was, you know, he couldn't find his OSX CD. Now, you need the OSX CD to actually finish the installation of Bootcamp inside of Windows 7. So, we didn't know that there was a second part to Bootcamp. So we're using it, and oh shucks, we don't have sound every time it restarts, it's restarting completely in Windows 7. It's not giving you the option to go back into SX. We got a little panicky. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Do you know what holding on the option button? No, well, you see, that, that's it. And so this is, this is the fun part. So I go on the net, do a little research, which is why, I mean, and the net set up immediately. We had time in the space of, I don't know, a couple hours to network to use a program called Tversity to set up well his new Windows 7 running on his MacBook to stream video to his PS3. He did that in like you know no time because it recognizes his internet connection, his entire entire wireless network in his house. And by the time I looked it up, I downloaded apparently there's a standalone in Windows installer for bootcamp with all the bootcamp drivers. We downloaded it and it worked. Okay. Right? Even with the existing drivers, now I mean, we have to mention Windows Bootcamp, sorry, as far as I know, has not updated its driver set to encompass Windows 7 in any of its variants whatsoever. So this would be the drivers that it was working with for Windows Vista, we would have to assume. On that note, if you are installing it, don't be frightened by not having sound. Bootcamp fixes that. Um, That's yeah. if you're installing it. On, on, on a map, on a map, yeah. precisely. Okay. Well, actually, the, we'll probably try to do an actual meeting on the, on Windows 7 very soon. Uh, we'll be trying to do it in February, but but carnival season, it was just very difficult to do so. And, uh, hope, and hopefully, we'll be able to announce in March an actual date and time to actually work, to actually try out Windows 7. Right. Um, because only because we, and we have the ISOs, so um, well, I don't think you can get get a serial key anymore. Uh, you um, I believe you still can on the side up till well, at least up till I know two I think weeks, a I week or so. But I mean, that was like February tenth when it stopped, huh? So I think that oh. that period is gone now. I mean, we're, we're now yeah. Although um, I'm given to understand that the keys were public keys, as in there weren't two point five million keys. Really? Yeah. So your key shouldn't be unique. That's interesting. Um, we okay. have to test that. Test that, yeah. But mind you, the, the neat thing with um, well, both Vista and with Windows 7 is that you don't need to enter the serial key at the time. You have oh, 30 okay. days to to uh, actually install it, to install it, at least try it out on your hardware. And after that, 30 days is good enough time to for anybody mm -hmm. to well to see what it works. You know, kick the tires so to speak. I find out how, how, it, how well it will work on, it, on their system. So, uh, well, I think we'll try to, let's try to wrap this up. Okay, great. So, uh, if you have any thoughts about Windows 7, uh, your experiences with Windows 7, we'll, we'll love to hear it. Um, experiences with Windows 7. Windows 7 has been, I think the word that best describes it is 
more or less painless. I mean, that comes from the understanding that it is a beta. Mm -hmm. There were programs that I tried to start that just did not start. Um, you know, there were things that behaved a little oddly, but you expect that it's a beta. That said. I am in Windows 7 since I got it 90% of the time. I sometimes switch back to XP for some time. Okay. So I am it is able to run, you know, like an operating like an operating system. In fact, a lot of the, the, the press has said, you know, it's a beta that is seems to be seems to be yeah. on some level as stable as XP, which is a full fledged yeah, XP, uh, Vista, which mm. is a full fledged operating system, you know. Yeah. In its what, second service pack or something? No, Vista well, has on first, first one, only one service pack you know. Right, so you know, that, that was very good, it was nice, it's, I think the word is swanky, because it, it has that <laughs> new new car smell about it, you know, for people who use Windows. I mean, if you've been using OS X, you know, a lot of these things, as Mike said, that they're trying to do is in direct competition to things already found. Mm -hmm. What are they doing new? Well, there's something I want to test out called Home Groups. I haven't gotten a chance to test it yet. Uh -huh. Essentially, home, home Groups allows you to, in you know, in very, very little time, network a stream of computers and index all of them. So say you have five computers in the house and you have media thefts separated on all of them. You can, in front of, you can, in front of, from your desktop, search across all of the computers from Windows Search, right, in your start menu to find whatever piece of media and interact with that media from your computer without, you know. Obviously, if you're going to try and open a video file across a wireless network, you better have a very good wireless network. You need to be running a G or an N network. Precisely. But even so, it's the concept that is really nice. Oh, also, the Windows Explorer has finally been rewritten. Now they are trying to confuse people again by shifting folders, well, your, your default folders, like your documents, your music, pictures, etc. Now they're called libraries. Now, I personally love libraries because libraries are virtual folders. Libraries simply index all of the folders in which you actually have content. No. It's like a smart search. Precisely. It, you know, a default smart search. Now, for people who are moving from XP straight into that without, you know, that might be a little confusing because nothing is actually stored in the, my, you know, my music library. Right? It's stored in the folders where you have music, but for, for someone who has their music over, you know, all sorts of different hard drives, etc., or let's bring the home group into this over different computers. Imagine if you can add a network folder to your library that and that network address be on a, on a different PC, right? So you can have your music library have the music in your house as opposed to just on your computer. Okay, uh, it's a nice idea, uh, mm. but I think even Windows users who have used iTunes know that that's possible. Right. But it's, it's interesting to see that it's, it's, it's going to be integrated as part Built of in. the, 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 the Explorer, the Explorer shell. Yeah. Another thing to mention, they have an entirely new device manager. It recognizes, what I love about it, sorry, is that you can use just about any device you plug into it without installing drivers. That sounds familiar. It sounds like Ubuntu, doesn't it? Or OS X. But 
for Windows of XP, uh, I have an HP F300 um, all-in-one printer sc scanner copy. Yeah. When I got it, stick, stuck it in the XP, put in the CD, it installed drivers, you know, went to the site, updated, etc. I installed Windows 7, and there I saw my printer scanner copy. I can copy, <laughs> scan anything right from inside of Windows without any additional program. That's always a plus. That is always a plus. So, you know, I suggest to everyone give it a try. If you... If well, you, the thing is, you can't download it anymore, can you? Well, that's the thing. Unofficially, you, well, officially, no, you can't. Actually, but here's the thing about that. Since you can try it for free for 30 days and need a key from Microsoft to get it working after that 30 days, how you download it is really a matter of, you know, now, Microsoft isn't telling people go to a torrent site and look for the ISO, but at the end of the day, they are not stopping people from doing it because they're giving it away. Well, I mean, I think they, what they're concerned about, especially with unauthorized, what they call unauthorized distribution, is that somebody inserts some sort of malware, obviously, malware and, then, right. and then, well, they believe Microsoft, oh, you see, I, I installed this and it wiped out all my partitions. <laughs> And of course, it has nothing to do with Microsoft. But if that's the case, then why did they take it? Why would they take it off of their servers? Well, well because oh, well, because I mean, it, it's a bit. It was meant to be a beta, and I mean, they have enough people to start giving feedback to them. Feedback you can give in every in built into the export into the shell, and by shell we mean the borders around all of your windows and anything mm -hmm. is a little line of t an under underlined bit of text called send feedback and you click on that and you are able to send a little note about anything you're working on. So if you open a folder and it's displaying something incorrectly, you hit send feedback and you type up this is what is happening and shoot that off to Microsoft. Let them know about it. You know? Granted, I don't do that, but you know, that's just me. You have time. I have time. Yeah. When you have time. Okay, great. Okay, so, well, I think we're going to definitely need to wrap up this project, this uh, podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, comments for the TTCS, so about this, about, about Windows 7, about netbooks, you know, please send them to admin at ttcsweb.org. And, uh, no, and no. Oh, we oh. wanted to thank Kurt for joining us for dinner, and, um, Spilling, spilling is everything he knows about Windows, Windows, uh, Windows Seven. Yeah. CW got me doing it now. And <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it is actually one of the more interesting things that Microsoft has done thus far. However, this is February, and it's they going to, screw it there's up. plenty of time for them to screw it up. <laughs> there you go, oh, come now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hope that they manage to keep the good things that they've got in. In, in Windows 7 all the way through to the final product, not necessarily meaning that it has to be a premium version together. Um, okay. My final thought is what I leave with our viewers. Okay, so Windows 7 is being built to run on power with OS X, well, 10.5. Mm -hmm. What about OS 10.6? Which is just around the corner. Which is just around the corner. Yeah. Well, that'll be, that'll be a good that'll be up subject for another part. You know, that's Yep. That's there and we go to, well, for Linux users, the XFT4 file system is coming on, you know, stream with the next version of Ubuntu, so 
Yeah. Exactly. At, least, at least there's interesting things happening in operating systems. In operating systems. Thanks, yeah. 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 So, in the age of the internet. So, Indeed. okay, well, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you in the next podcast. Bye for now.